Digital 410 Productions proudly presents the What's in Your Head podcast. Digitized live from the ACT Computer Studios in Cape Coral, Florida, it's the What's in Your Head podcast with your hosts Gordon and Don Abernathy. What's up, what's up, what's up, OG5? It's Monday and we're back and we're here with you. What's going on, Gordon? Oh, you know, feeling better by the day. We've actually had a lot of rain. Our monsoon season has been the most monsooniest season I've seen since I've been here. Thank God. Yeah, we've been getting in a sh- metric shit ton of rain um, to the point that um, I just got my grass mowed and chances are I'll be mowing it again this weekend because all it wants to do is rain incessantly, which gets in the way of all the other things I want to do. But, uh, you know, it is what it is. And right now I'm just sharing this feed onto my D-Train page and trying to get everything set up here. But uh, yeah, it's been a busy past couple of days. I did an episode of the What's the Scuttlebutt podcast last night. That's up on all your favorite podcast apps right now. You can hear about Jeff Copsetta and I talking about all the wonderful, interesting things going on in the wonderful world of living history, not only here, but in Texas, and hear all the exciting things he's got going on. But I was telling him last night, I've been spending so much time on the water but I feel like I should have been wearing a Navy impression last night. Are you a salty dog? Uh, salty and sun suntan. My legs are getting darker and darker by the day. Very good. So yesterday we decided we need to find another canal in our ever-growing radius of canal bass well, You've got fishing. like a metric shit ton of canals down there, right? Yes, but there's only a f- so many of them that have... Uh, a reminiscence of a boat ramp, whether it's a legitimate boat ramp with concrete and docks and mooring locations, or if it's just a um, sand little ramp that the city clears out once every few months and posts a sign next to it says, use at your own risk. If you have any problems, call this number, you're on your own. And those are the ones that we like to find because those go into the, the small canal systems. The city of Cape Coral will not be held responsible for any losses incurred by alligator attacks. Exactly. And so we had been going to the Zurich Canal, which is right down the way. Um, there's a bigger lake out there. And we've had some Say luck. Say that one again. Zurich. Yeah, just like this. Almost as bad as Zizek. Yeah. The Zurich Canal and then the Lake Mead are the two that we tend to go to the most. But uh, they're a little fished and fucked out right now. Uh, to be honest with you, you know, we usually catch... On a good day, four or five largemouth bass. Every once in a while, we'll pull on a tilapia. Maybe a, we've only caught one gar, thank God. This thing's gross. They smell like dead fish. They feel like freaking alligators, and they got teeth like alligators. Those things are like a million-plus years old anyway, aren't they? They're so... They're... They're so old. Well, not only that, they're... I've often talked about how the burrowing owls, since they, they're protected... Gars aren't protected, but burrowing owls kind of have an attitude towards them. And that is they'll fly in the street and land in front of your car and look at you like, I'm protected, fuck off, there's nothing you can do about it. Well, alligator guards are kind of the same way, but not protected. They just know, hey, I'm so old, um, I got sharp teeth, and I'm finicky as fuck. And so they're constantly coming to the top of the water, and you can throw bait on them, you can throw a worm on them, you can throw a crankbait on them. They'll come up, and they'll 
they'll nip at it like a puppy and poke around, and then it'll just swim off. They don't care. Like a cat, huh? Yeah, they, they come up to the top. I don't know what their alpha predator mm. is. I'm sure bass eat them, but they're, they're fucking long. Like I said, they smell. The one that I had to get off a hook, it's, it literally smelled like rotted fish. Um, even through the glove, it felt like a snake. And uh, they're just gross, and I'm glad we've only caught one. But uh, so we got to looking on the map, and Kerry uses this app called Fish Brain, and it shows you, you know, fishing places, and people post photos of what they caught and where they caught it at. And this also shows you boat <coughs> ramps. And we found a new boat ramp that's close by. I don't want to give up the location quite yet because um, we had some luck. So and you basically want to. Fuck it out fishing-wise before everybody else. Yes. Well, here's the thing, and the video will be up probably in a two or two or three days. I'm getting behind on my video editing. Video editing, And um, be honest, I'm at the point now where I have to store the videos on my, my computer here in the podcast because my laptop's out of space, even though I delete the files after I create the videos. But anyhow, I have so much content stacked up now. But uh, we're looking. I'm like, well, let's here. She's like, well, what about this boat ramp? And. We're looking, and there's some a thin, long canal, but it's all n- n- undeveloped. Now, okay. we've, we've caught some, you know, 8-inch, just, you know, fun-to-catch bass on seawalls and all that. But most of, most of the time, they like living in foliage, lily pads, trees, overhang, especially when the water's 93 degrees, and it's a hot summer day. They like dark, deep shadows with cold water. And so we try to find canal systems that are underdeveloped and not developed at all. And so we found one, and we first and foremost, so I'm pulling up to the boat ramp, looking in my rearview mirror. The boat ramp's super skinny, and at the bottom where the water is, there's weeds growing up all along the shoreline except for in the middle. But the edges, there's weeds about knee high. And I looked at Carrie, I said, I don't think anybody comes here. I need a machete. And she's like, well, that's not a good thing. I was like, no, on the contrary, I think that's going to be a great thing. She's like, well, what do you mean? I said, well, if no one comes here, that means these waters are not only overfished, but... That means that the fish are... Pressure's off. Well, not only that, but they are probably not... They don't have the experience or weekly run-ins with all these weird artificial baits. So maybe they'll be more likely to bite on something, right? Maybe they're not, you know, a little shy of biting on something they've never seen before. Kind of like Brad Pitt when he asked for a lucky lager in California and he goes, This ain't no lucky lager. Or I could be giving fish way too much credit. Maybe they're too dumb. But I just had this feeling that, you know, this place hadn't been fished. Maybe we can get some bites. And we and we get out of the truck, and I see all this bait fish right along the shore. And then mm-hmm. the water's clear for about two feet, and it gets real dark and iced tea from all the rain. I looked at Carrie. I said, go get your bait caster with your red crankbait on it. And so we don't have the boat out of the truck yet. And she grabs her, her crankbait and just casts it over by the bridge because there's a little overpass from one of the side streets. And boom, she had like a 11-inch bass jump right on it, reeled right in. So before we even got in the water, we already caught a fish. I like, tested the waters, and the waters were good. I'm like, okay, this is a cool sign. So we we offload the, the boat. We were out. We got out to like 3.30, which we never got out to like 5.30. We go out. Um, we paddle down. We see a lake on Google Maps. We know where we're heading. Um, we stop a few places. She has some luck. Um, she's fishing a worm, which she fishes all the time. But I've been watching these videos, and guys are saying, you know, if you want the big guys, you want the big bass, you gotta, 
you know, you want to fish a swim bait or crank, you know, a, a topwater bank, a hummer bait, something, you know, worms are fine, crankbaits are fine, but the big boys are going to bite on this stuff. And so I'm through the day, I got a worm on one pole and I'm, I catch one or two, then I, I lose one or two that I don't set the hook. And then I'm casting with my, my crankbaits and I'm not catching nothing, my spinner baits and my swim baits and this and that. And so we're out there and now it's like 730. I have a podcast at 930. We got like a mile paddle back. And I said, well, let's start paddling back so I can get home and do my show prep. And so we stopped at this one location. It's right on the canal. But this whole canal system, first and foremost, is deep. The canal itself is about eight foot deep, which my lake that we usually fish is six foot deep. So this canal is about eight foot deep, but it's only six feet, six to seven feet wide, not including the trees. So there's some parts that are super like skinny that you can't cast off the side of the kayak. And so we go fish this lake for a while. Well, actually, we fished the lake on the way out, caught a couple of adolescents, and now we're coming back. And we stop at the mouth of the lake, but in the canal, because there's a house right there and there's a bunch of grass. And so Carrie's got a, she has her cast king. It's an eight to one gear ratio bait caster on a Berkeley saltwater amp rod. They work on both of them, but it's seven footer, light, medium action, and just has 10 pound, a 12 pound test and throws on a, a purple whiptail Walmart worm on a four out hook or three out hook, throws it in there and she's reeling and all of a sudden, kaboom, the whole tip just bends down. She's like, whoa, I got one. So I reel on my rod and now we don't have the anchor. We're free, what we call in the video, you'll hear use the phrase free floating. That's where I just have the paddle on my lap and we'll just go with the current and just cast it almost as if we have a troller motor, but we use the current because we don't have a troller motor. And so there's no anchor in the water. I reel in my rod, her rod's going down and she's fighting this thing. Now, one of the things that could be a mistake, I don't know, not to get too much into fishing talk, but fuck it, we're here. Uh, the only thing we're missing is some Bud Light and a bonfire. Well, I got some Larceny uh, bourbon. So you're familiar with open reels, right? The ones that we fish, we use index fingers. Open bail casters, yep. yep. Which always work great for you because the reels, woo. <laughs> the reels on the left hand side right and you growing up semi-ambidextrous but you're left hand dominant that always works you know well for even you. that left hand dominant thing is not necessarily true but yeah go ahead but for the for if you have for your druthers argument. you prefer to yeah. use your left hand correct most actions and so an open reel is great for you, you cast your right hand you roll with your left hand and your left hand being your dominant hand your left hand's your strong hand well one of the weirdest things when i bought my casting bait caster Exactly. Uh, one of the weirdest things when I bought my first bait caster, because I got a right-handed bait caster, because that's the default setup, but the bait caster's on top, and now you're reeling with your right hand. So if you're fishing for a while with an open reel, where you're reeling with your left hand, and then you switch with a bait caster, now you're reeling with your right hand. Not only is that weird, because now you're... Really most- try not to insert master bait caster joke here, but... It's- sure. Sorry. Some old <laughs> Indian shit, bud. Mm-hmm. Sup, guy? I'm just reading uh, all same old Indian shit. Um, but anyhow, congratulations to Morgan Long, by the way, on his uh, his new camper. But anyhow, I digress. Um, but the weird thing about going to a right-handed bait caster, even if you're right-handed, you cast with the right hand, correct? Correct. But then you got to put the rod in your left hand because the reel's on the right hand. So it's a two-point action. You cast the, the hook. I kind of put a sling into it to make it die. Then I toss it in my left hand and start reeling with my right hand. Could you learn to talk, to cast with your left hand? Well. Or, or do you feel like uh, that Johnny Worcester kid who's, you know, yelling at Bertle Owls? Oh, uh, yeah. Uh, the Bohigas boy? 
Yeah. No. You know, the kid that delivers papers in the neighborhood? Yeah, he, some people say he smoked crack, but I didn't believe him. Yeah. Anyway, something happened to him on the mixer. I think he was decapitated, but that's another story for another time. Well, good thing you bring it up. So at a certain point, Carrie decides that she wants to try my bait caster because the reason I called bait casters, those sons of bitches cast that bait forever. They cast them so much further than an open reel. And so she, we'd be set up on the kayak and we would have to get close to the, the bank so that she could throw the open reel worm and get it to where it's going. Meanwhile, I'm casting half a mile down the damn canal with my bait caster. And so she's trying it, and she's getting a little annoyed with that right-handed thing. I said, well, you know, they do sell left-handed bait casters. And so I bought her one, and, and then we got another one. And so sometimes you'll see in the video I'm using left-handed bait casters, and it works great. I can cast with my right hand, and now I can reel my left hand. It's just like, you know, using an open reel. So now I actually have two left-handed bait casters and one right-handed, but I'm used to using both. But here's the reason we go down this whole kit and caboodle. Carrie's got this son of a bitch fish. We don't know what it is. Her rod tip's going straight down. She's cranking with a left-handed bait caster, but she's right-handed. And so she doesn't have that strength in her left arm. She's fighting this thing. We don't know what the hell it is. And I'm watching. Now the boat's starting to spin. This thing's... Yeah, I was going to say, I bet that thing's no. going Now, those of you guys who never fished on a kayak, um, kayaks are a lot more difficult than you would think. Um, here's a fun little game. Get your fishing rod, go out into your front yard with your computer desk chair, sit in that some bitch and start casting and then put someone behind you. So you can't cast over your shoulder. And then you'll enjoy the joys of fishing from a kayak. Cause it's a lot different sitting down than it is standing up. Now imagine trying to reel on a fish. I know. Well, Don, you realize that the guys who go deep sea fishing, they're sitting down on the back of the boat. Yeah, but they also got that rig that's strapped to them with their poles strapped in and they're going like, you know, they're not sitting in a loose beach chair on a kayak spinning in circles while some monster is pulling their tip down. And she's reeling this thing in and reeling it in and it's spinning the boat. And I'm like, what the fuck? I I said, I think you got a big ass catfish on there. Earlier in the day, we're watching a Lunkers video and he pulled up this catfish that was the size of a freaking motorcycle. I'd never seen something so big. And, you know, we're in this 12 foot deep canal and the boat's spinning and her tip's going straight down. I said, that thing's either a tilapia or a catfish. Or possibly a gator. That occurred to me. But. At the time, since then, I've thought about a gator would have rolled and, you know, it probably would have just broke the line. But when you're out there, and the fact that we've never seen a gator on a kayak, but the one time on the last couple of videos back, we were seawall fishing. There was a gator in the lake that we go kayaking in every damn day. But it occurred to me, and for like three seconds, party's like, I hope she doesn't bring this thing up. I was getting a little concerned about what was going to peek its weary head out of this water. Don't know if you got enough room on that kayak to deal with it. Well, uh, we have since since I caught those two big ass tilapias, we have since bought a net. And so now, of course, we went out there at three thirty. Um, I fucked up and left my GoPro batteries at the house, so my GoPro Hero Seven Black battery died. I tried hooking it up to the external power pack I had on me, and it started freaking out, saying "file repaired, file repaired." Carrie had the GoPro Hero Seven Silver. I put it on for a while. The battery died on it. So now she's fighting this fucking monster beast. 
Of course. I have. When there's a monster on the line, all cameras will be dead. Only camera I have is the GoPro Hero 3, which we use as the underwater release camera. The, it shoots not even at 1080, I don't think. I think thing shoots at 740. So I'm trying to pick it up and get footage, but now I need to get the net. And finally, it breaks the water, and there's this mammoth head. And Gordon, are you watching the live stream? Because I'm going to play the video footage so everybody can enjoy it. Do it. So I'm going to switch over, give you a couple seconds for it. Let me know when it shows up on your page, and then I'll play the file. Carrie pulls in, and we had just recently got a scale because we want to see okay. how big the tilapias were. Hit play. She pulled in a 6.3-pound largemouth bass. Look at this. I didn't catch it as Carrie caught this. It's our biggest one, 6.3 pounds. You ready to put them away? <laughs> Now, the reason I'm holding is this thing's so big and she can only turn so far in the kayak that she's afraid if she tried to reach around and grab it, she would drop the thing, as we have done. For those who've seen our videos, we've dropped many a fish in our kayak. And, oh, by the way, Carrie's been suffering with extreme shoulder pain, and so she has a limited form of a range of motion anyhow. But she caught not only the biggest fish that we have caught or that she has caught, I've never caught a bass I don't even think I've even caught a one-pound bass yet. I think that's I want... a mountable bass right there. And, but this is the largest bass that I've ever seen personally in my life. Now this thing had some age on it. Its eyes were all scarred up, and it was a little glossed over. But this thing was a fucking monster. Um, here's the gr strangest part: the thing's in the net, right? Mm -hmm. I go to grab the hook to take it out of its mouth, and her knot gives out. She t had a unit tied on it. That would have been a fish that got away. She had a unit tied on it, and that thing held on long enough. Didn't break. It literally that unit on twelve pound tests. It finally pulled its way out, and I'm sitting. I just pulled the hook out, and see so the only video footage I'm going to have for this in our next YouTube video is that footage that she shot on her iPhone. And two seconds on the GoPro here, three. You can see the pole tip go like that and then i have a super close-up video from when i tried to release him holding him and the camera at the same time but um it was insane and the best part about this was this carrie was talking to a, a family member and their child a few days before this who are big fisher men and women and they go all over florida fish and catch all these big beautiful fish and she was telling her nephew he's like you got to come out kayak oh i don't like to fish in kayaks why Have you not? Ever fished in a kayak? I just there's not enough room. Okay, well that's cool, but uh, and you can't catch big fish in canals in Cape Coral. <laughs> so, like a day and a half after being told yeah, that there's no big fish to be found. Together for you, you want some milk on that too? Now, <laughs> correct me if I'm wrong, but growing up in Ohio and in Kentucky, when people talk big bass, five pounds is about you know their bucket. Oh, I would love to catch a five six pound bass. I mean, five pounds is a, is nothing to sneeze at let alone to bring in a 6.03 pounder. That was a big son of a bitch. I think earlier that day, it's funny, we were watching Lunker's TV and he it was the one where his girlfriend pulled in like a 7.8. That was her personal best. And that exact night, Carrie pulls in a 6.03. But yeah, it was... Go ahead. Uh, the common length for a largemouth bass is right about uh, 15.7 inches. The longest on record was 38.2 inches. 
Um, I didn't. The largest one ever caught was 22 pounds. But what's the average? Let's say. Just like, um, I'm just typing average. Not, that's what I try to type in first. But. Average. But, uh, we did have a tape measure on our thing, but I didn't even think to measure a damn thing. Average uh, weight of large mouth. But no, it definitely. So we're we're kind of 12 pounds was the average. Well, I guess average weight, yeah, about 12 pounds. But um, people also searched. But anyhow, 6.3 pounds is definitely the largest we ever caught. Um, That's nothing to sneeze. No, it's man. not. And especially, you know, once again, you're reeling in a six-pound bass on 12-pound test sitting in an office chair. You're not fixed in. There's no anchor. There's no troller motor. You're spinning in circles. And, you know, you've been out in the sun all day. And the crazy thing was that she had a bird's nest. As she cast that thing, she'd been having some problems, and we were talking about restringing her reel when we got home. And so she's, so she's fighting this thing and reeling it in on top of a bird's nest. So we definitely got to restring that line. But, yeah, so that was fun. Definitely the biggest fish I'd ever had in my hands. Um, it was a beast of a fish. Its lips were so, I mean, the brim of its lip was about the, the width of my thumb, you know, the circumference of my thumb. But it was a crazy fish. It was and uh, we'll include what footage we have, including photos. But, uh, yeah. It seems like I've watched a few uh, bass fishing tournaments lately, and it seems like a lot of them fall between three and five pounds. Yep. And sat, I was watching a video, and I don't know where the guy got his numbers from, but I've heard this from other people, too. You know, like 40% of the bass caught in his bass fishing tournaments, once they're returned to the lake, they all die from the the shock and the stress of being I would in, not doubt that being bu- bumped around that. in the live well all day. And then they're putting the trash bag and then they're weighed and then they're putting another source of bot water and then they're transported back out or dumped in locally that just the shock just kills them. I uh, was watching a video by a guy called uh, last line of defense, Mike. Uh, he was up in Colorado and they took their Tacomas and did some overlanding up to some high Alpine lakes to do some fly fishing. And uh, he gave up on the fly fishing and broke out his reel and caught a nice one. But when they're putting those trout back in the water, they're very careful with them mm-hmm. um, because evidently they, you know, very susceptible to stress and just making sure he swims before they let them go. Yeah, you'll see in the video, I kind of, the bass is kind of sitting there and I kind of push his head down a little bit and he just swam off. Or, or you'll see a lot of times, like you're saying, they, even with bass, they put them in the water and they just kind of swim there in, in place for a second, wait until they get the water in their gills, and then they'll just shoot off like a bullet. Oh, yeah, they've been suffocating, so yep. they got to get their, their oxygen back. So um, Real quick before cool. we change the subject, I had the realization, I think I talked to you about this the other day, but you know, when you talk to people who are animal lovers, PETA members, whatever, you tell them you're in the fish, and they're like, oh, that's cruel. You're, you're ripping holes and sharp needles and all that stuff, and... And at first glance, you're thinking about like, yeah, that probably does suck. But then once you start fishing and you start researching fishing and then you start realizing what fish eat, like the fact that catfish and muskie eat baby ducks (laughs) and other mammals and the fact that most fish, if not all fish, live off of eating other fish. And if you've ever been stabbed in the finger by a dorsal fin... Or I guess dorsal fins are on mammals, but you know the, the, the spines on their backs. That shit's sharp, and so fish are designed to eat sharp, pokey things, and therefore their mouths are pretty much all cartilage. Otherwise, they wouldn't be able to eat because everything they eat has sharp 
pokey things on it. And so. And once it can be argued, the sharp pokey thing that ends up in their lip to pull them in is actually probably pretty easy on them comparatively. Mm-hmm. It's like getting poked with a needle versus, you know, cut with scissors. Or being poked with one needle through your lip versus 15 because they got five on their back, four on their little flippers on each side. So, and yeah. Moving around. Yeah. Um, we, I was watching one YouTube video. guy was just fishing, and he sees us assing of a bass floating, but he wasn't dead. His tail's wiggling. So he just grabs it and pulls it up. The damn thing had a tilapia in its mouth. He bit off more than he could literally chew. And so this bass was going to die because he had a huge tilapia stuck in his mouth, spines and all, and he couldn't swallow it. And so the fisherman's like, well, either two things are going to happen here. I'm going to throw this thing back, and both fish are going to die. Or this thing somehow consumes the tilapia or it's going to die. Or I can try to pull the tilapia out of its mouth and it's going to die regardless. Because this thing was so stuck. He had pliers. was like trying to pull the tail out. And But yeah, this bass literally just opened his mouth and swallowed this tilapia. And it was going to kill both of them. It's just crazy what they eat. And I never knew fish ate fucking mammals. That's insane to me that uh, baby ducks get eaten by bass and other fish. We always blamed it on the alligator snapper. I was talking to a guy today. He was he used to live up in uh, Washington D.C. and um, that area. And he was telling me about that he used to have a boat at this marina, and I can't remember what type of fish it was, but they had problems. This was a high end marina where you know some nice boats, and they had problems with ducks breeding there and shitting all over the boats and the docks. So the guy who owned the marina had an aquarium inside, and he started raising a certain type of fish, a fish that is known for eating ducks. <coughs> and once it got to a certain length, he would go out there and dump them out in the marina. Like an Oscar? I think so. And he mm. said within two years, the duck problem was gone. No more ducks because... Yeah, there's also no other fish either. There's so many fish that... I mean, so many of these duck-eating fish there that the ducks finally realized that this is not a safe place for, quack, 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 quack. for uh, breeding our, our youngins. 100%. So what's uh, else is going on there, Florida way? Uh, just rain, man. I, I mowed my grass. Like I said, now it's it's been raining crazily. It's been balls-ass hot. I'm trying to get back in my running regiment. Um, other weird problem I'm having is my right ankle starting to hurt, but I realize it's not from running. It's from being in that pocket on the kayak so much and pushing on it and having it kind of cockeyed. So I'm getting a little kayak kayak ankle right now. I went out and did a uh, 17 and a half pound ruck, one mile ruck tonight because I couldn't do a three mile run. Um, but yeah, I went out and a couple days ago trying to get back in my OCR training. I got an event coming up in October. So the other night I ran a mile and then carried my 40 pound sandbag up and down the street for about a mile. But uh, do you have. Do OCR you have a, just sounds like another version of OCD. No, obstacle course racing. Uh, your tough mutters. Not obsessive compulsive racing? No. Well, it, I guess it could be, but your tough mutters, your Spartans, your Savage, your uh, Bone Frog, and many, many others. Um, is there. What is your guilty pleasure or something you're embarrassed that you watch or consume, not dietarily, but pop culture wise, that maybe you kind of rolled your eyes at when it first came out, but now you're stuck watching it? There's and a new it's, one on Netflix. What's that? 
It is the dating game with the stupid masks that are actually overly elaborate. Now, is this one you you had to watch by proxy and now you're invested? Because that happens a lot. It started with we had our TV replaced because we were having this issue with uh, Netflix dumping out. Mm -hmm. And so it got all hooked up. Went ahead and said, you know what, let's go ahead and I'm just going to go ahead and get Netflix. Katina was upstairs. And I just, it was the first thing that came up and I put it on. <laughs> and uh, it worked well. And I was like, oh crap. Now we're watching it. And Katina had already started watching it anyway. So uh, it's interesting because it's all about like not judging these people you date on your looks. You, it's you know, the dating look equivalent pretty. to the mask singer. 100% but a lot better mask a lot better uh, they, they put some money into that well be to be fair honest. to the mask singer you your mask are limited because the more heavy duty it is the less vocals they'll hear and they're pretty fancy too but these got the whole mouth that moves and and, and everything and I'm like wow and then they do that in in public settings so you'll see people kind of staring at them from a distance which is Interesting, you know. But if you're like a closet furry, that'd be like the show to go on because you like to be out in public in oh. weird, weird uniforms. Makes you wonder how many of these people on the show are actually that. Mm-hmm. So the one I started watching way back in the day, back in 2001, and then I probably took. Then after I moved to California, Melody watched it, but I didn't really watch it, and I, and then I didn't pick back up on it until Carrie and I started watching it in probably '04, which is CBS's Big Brother. Yeah, I can't do that. Now, Big Brother has come a long way in 23 seasons, and one of the annoying things they do now—so still got people plotting against each other. Well, that's the whole the whole thing is you're trying to get people voted out because this year they raised the prize money to three quarters of a million dollars instead of five hundred thousand. And one of the things they would do back in the day, they still do it, but they keep switching platforms because I guess the audience isn't there. Now it's on their streaming service. Last year it was on Pop TV, and the year before that was on Showtime, and originally was on Showtime, but it, which was the Big Brothers After Dark. It's supposed to be unfiltered and uncensored, but ironically they censored it. And one of the things that used to drive me nuts, back when Obama first got in office. It's sort of like Naked and Afraid XL, supposed to be uncensored. Mm-hmm. But this is on Showtime after dark. So oh, yeah. Then there's this is all a, things should fly. Yeah, this is a channel that runs, you know, skin flicks. And it's all uncensored and blah, blah, blah. I remember when Obama first got in office, th- that year they had like a, I don't know, late 60s, early 70-year-old cat on there. Oldest person on there. Not only the oldest person on it, but the oldest person not get kicked off on like day two. And but this young this young man was like I think he was this is like ten years ago. So he's like this young man. He was a Korean War vet or Vietnam vet, one of the two. But he used to drive me nuts because whenever they censor something on Big Brother, they cut to the aquarium. They cut you know they just switch to the camera on the aquarium so the mics cut out and all that. And that's fine on the on the pre recorded TV or the live TV. But this is Big Brother after dark. Ooh, that sounds awfully nerdy. But anyhow, Big Brother After Dark, uncensored. Every time this old man would talk about, not even Obama, but just Republican-style stuff, they would cut to the fish tank. (laughs) So going back then, I knew which side CBS's bread was buttered. Hey, old man, we don't want to hear it. And then when politics. Trump was in office, whenever they 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 have this character on there called Zingbot, and his whole thing is he would make fun of people. And every year they would have a skit. Zingbot's trying to escape from the planet, 
and you got to help, you know, and it's not, you know, you got to find things in the swamp. But interestingly enough, every year Trump was in office, Zingbot was a crooked politician. And so all the Trump crap came out. It's like, I can't even watch Big Brother without being hit over the head with, you know, Trump centric humor where they're basically making fun of Trump. But now he's out of office, so that's fine. And then, you know, the, the BS that's actually happening now gets completely glossed over. No, well, that kind of gets where I'm going. And I don't know. I probably should maybe start this off with a Tom McDonald warning because it's been a while. But here we go. Hi, my name is Tom McDonald. Welcome to the show. If you are easily offended, then you probably should go. This is your chance to go right now because I'm going to probably shit my own punch bowl right here. Now, we just came off of 2020 with the pandemic and Black Lives Matter. And there is a well-fortified template to the Big Brother show, and that is you have your token old guy or old gal. This year, year, Gordon, the token old person's 39. That's the old guy this year. Holy crap. 39. The the token old... So we went from a token old person in their seventies to thirty nine. Yeah, and Carrie and I realized like four years ago. Yeah, we've uh, we've outaged the show. We can never be contestants on it now. So the old guy was thirty nine this year, but usually they have an old guy, and op- <laughs> an openly gay, flamboyant person. This has been like the last ten years. This is the normal template. You have you have one or two, maybe three, uh, one or two white cats who are hitting the gym all the time. Maybe twenty three, twenty four. Got the six pack, the packs, right? You got It'd be the funny if the old guy that was gay and he's kind of like Herbert from Family Guy. <laughs> yep. Then you would have the, you know, usually they'd have one token black person, both boy and girl. They would try to throw an Asian in there. They'd try to throw either a redneck in there or like a, a cowgirl in there. But they had a well-worn template and it's been well worn out for years. Got your country bumpkin, got your ethnic ghetto, mm -hmm. got your... Not even ghetto. They would just, they would check off the boxes on, on the, um, on the chart. Okay. We got at least three black people on here. Usually only two, one boy and one girl. We got one gay guy, maybe a bisexual. I think maybe three or four years ago they had a trans. I can't remember. Uh, Say, did they throw any pansexuals at this yet? No, I was surprised. Um, I, I made the joke the next year they'll all be trans. Um, and you know, They'll throw your Asian in there, but their idea of throwing an overweight person in there is maybe someone so, so, who's 40 so pounds overweight. So those of you following along, we're making stir fry, and, ethnic stir fry for uh, Big Brother. Yeah. And so, and for years, and it's so funny because back in the day, like when you watch Big Brother After Dark, half of them would be outside smoking. <laughs> Be hey, you want some sriracha sauce in that? They all of them would be outside smoking, but as time's gone by and fewer and fewer people smoke, now that no one on the show smokes anymore. But this season, the old guy's thirty nine. Every one of them, even like the Asian nerd that went to like MIT, this dude's got like six pack. He's got the shoulders. Like he he's like the nerd who works out all the time. Everyone- so say you're the thirty nine year old um, old guy, and you know that you are pegged the old guy. Do you just show up with a walker for shits and giggles? No, the thirty nine year old old guy was not only the old guy. He double dipped. He was the old hillbilly. And, old gray man, she ain't what she used to be. And so he said he was the old guy, and his goal was to not go out the first week like all the old people. Once again, he was only 39. They have a girl on there who's from Fort Myers, Florida. Fort Myers! Uh, How she, do they say it down there? Fort Myers. Um, she is the bisexual cosplay chick who is also... Wicked. In the furries? No, um, she's like a yeah, biochemist probably. or some shit. Okay. But... Now, half these cats are playing for three quarters of a million dollars, right? 
And I think there's 12 people on there. I'm going to say nine of them probably make 80000 to $100,000 years dollars a year right now. you got lawyers on there, tech startup guy. One guy started a company in California. Now he lives in Hawaii and works two hours a day. So, so you oh, got a lawyer making $100,000 a year. He's a shitty lawyer. So, well, I'm just saying these kids are all, they're, tw- they're in their fucking 20s. So my whole okay. point being is, you know, the, the maybe two people though who could really really use the money is the old 39 year old farmer and the one single mom but all the rest of them you know they're in their 20s and already making six figures a year they're they're doing pretty well for themselves and so they broke that template but here's what i want to get at and i should probably play this again why does it have to well, be a tongue twister? I don't know. That's Nor that button. too. Yeah. Hi, my name is Tom McDonald. Welcome to the show. If you are easily offended, then you probably should go. Very interestingly enough, it was kind of cool to see Big Brother broke some templates this year. They broke down their well-worn out, fucked out template of two black people, one Asian, a gay guy. I think there are six black people on the show this year. We are going to, well. Coming off Black Lives Matter. Yeah, so they had to break the mold make a new one and, and that's great but here's the head scratcher and i'm not the only one who picked up on this apparently there's some um people kind of pointing out the same hypocrisy on the internet as we were saying earlier the whole gist of the show is to win by backstabbing and voting people out and much like on any other show you form alliances so you can have a secret teammate or four where you can have the numbers on your side, so when you're, you're, you know, you're voting people out, you can kind of control who gets voted out. You know what would make that show really spicy? If they get some gangbangers on there from different gangs. Yeah, that, or I'd say we should do the My Six Hundred Pound Life edition. Oh uh, yeah, that too. <laughs> that'd be fun. And so, um, and in the past, we've seen the all girl alliance because I don't think a female's won the show maybe once in the last few years, um, but there's never been a female winner and a runner-up. It's been a girl and a boy, a boy and a girl and two guys. And so you're used to seeing the all-chick-girl power. Let's get the boys out of here and see what happens. Now, this footage is a little hard to hear, but um, imagine, if you will, we're in a Big Brother house, and one of the cameras is over the sink because people cooked our meals, and we have three out of like the... I don't know, five or six African-Americans in the house. Nice thing about Black Lives Matter and all Black Lives Matter and all that stuff is now we can go back to saying the word black, whereas back in the day it had to be African-American, so now we can say black because Black Lives Matter, which is great. And it's cool. Like I said, it's cool to see that the worn-out template was destroyed and they have a fair amount of African-Americans represented on the show. Only got one Asian. Um, actually, And they actually have a chick on there who's half Indian and half Hispanic, which is pretty cool. And they got another guy's very well diverse. But something happened on the show that if it would happen the other direction, people would be rip shit pissed. And here you go. We don't want to do that. We don't want to. I'm telling you. Such a good. Hold on. That's the person on YouTube. A couple days. We don't want to do that. We don't want to. I'm telling you. So what we're going to have to do, though, we're going to have to know silently that we have each other's back, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but we're going to have to stay up. Mm-hmm. And I think each of us should pair up with an opposite mm-hmm. 
force to pair up with the opposite. Mm-hmm. So we make sure we always have time. Yeah. Yeah. Correct. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Correct. But we can't do this because yep. they're going to do Yep. Great. Absolutely. Absolutely. That was the first thing we talked about. Mm-hmm. You know what we're talking about. Mm-hmm. The cookout. How was your thing? <laughs> How was your thing? Huh? How was your thing? Okay. So it's very convoluted and hard to hear, but what basically happened there was every black person on the show decided that they were going to form an all-black alliance to vote out everybody else. And she's, mm. and what you're hearing her saying there is, we can't be seen all in the same room together or they're going to know, so we all have to pair up with an other. Could you imagine if all the crackers in the house got together and said, we're going to form, and the name of their alliance is the cookout. Because that's a big thing on TikTok. You know, all the white people say, hey, can I get invited to the cookout? And then the black people are like, hey, can you invite us to the, the barbecue? They would be accused of taking all the bed sheets and wearing them like ghosts. If the white people in there create an alliance called the potluck and decided they're going to vote out all the money, could you fucking imagine with the way the news is right now, with everything being white supremacy and everything's racist now and everything? So we got the oyster crackers over here and we got the cookout over there. And so... They crazy. basically decided that they're all going to form a all-black alliance and vote out everybody else, which is fine strategically, and I don't mind. But once again, just the hypocrisy. If that happened on TV <coughs> where the five white people in the house got together and said, hey, we're going to vote out all the minorities, people would be fucking pissed. Well, it's just like Mayor Lightfoot it, saying that she will not allow herself to be interviewed by white people. It's, it's got to be people of color. Dude, it's fucking insane. Racism. And my favorite thing about TikTok, my favorite fucking thing about TikTok is the fact that you have blacks and African-Americans standing up this bullshit. You got cats on there flying the American flag saying, hey, there's nothing racist about this flag. This flag represents us. And they probably get to the point where they say, look, we are being used by this party. Oh, absolutely. And that's why they're on TikTok. 100%. Because they can't say that shit on Facebook because Facebook will shut them down. Oh, now it's gotten worse after, you know, Biden threatened everything, so. Oh, but it's, uh, like I said, it's, and, you know, you'll see these TikToks of black people saying, hey, don't buy into this racist bullshit. It doesn't, you know, none of this shit. It continues going on. to separate even more. Well, it's just. Me all- and you, people are people, right? On their own merit, you're, you're just a person. You can be a great person. You can be a bad person. doesn't matter what culture you come from. doesn't matter your sex. doesn't matter your proclivities. Well, you're we, either good or bad. We brought it up when David was on the show. He's walking from. Connecticut to California mm-hmm. and people up there told him, Hey, be careful when you're in the Southern States. And he said he hasn't experienced any of it. Guy's been walking. Now he's in Tennessee, still walking, sleeping in a tent on our show said he never experienced. And I brought it up, I said, all the shit that you hear on the media, all the stuff you hear in these, these race pushers say about racism, blah, blah, blah. And you know, and how some people are claiming that African Americans feel a certain way about white people, and how African Americans get shit from white people. And he even said on the show, "I don't, we don't see it in our community, and well, I don't see it down here in our community." And so it is being made up by the media and and a very small group of people who are trying very, to push a narrative, and the same yes. people who are trying to get that what fifteen eighteen project bullshit in the school system. But uh, it's just crazy. But uh, yeah, so. That's what's going on in Big Brother. When I was Googling this tonight, I didn't pull up the story, but I saw that other people are a little concerned (laughs) about this. So to make a short story long, Big Brother is Don's guilty pleasure. Yes, and but there's some insanity going on where if, once again, it was a bunch of crackers doing it, (laughs) people would be rip shit pissed. 
But uh, speaking of some weird shit going on, have you heard that the government is paying farmers to destroy their own crops? I've heard this. I haven't vetted out the actual uh, sources. Well, here's a video from TikTok tonight. Here's one. true that the government is paying farmers to destroy their crops. And the simple answer to that is yes, they are. I initially heard about the government paying farmers to destroy their crops. I thought it was a load of bullshit. Well, lo and behold, we received our destruction notice the other day. So basically, there was two options on how to destroy the crop. The government could fly on Agent Orange, or we could manually destroy the crop ourselves. We put too much blood, sweat, and tears in it to let them destroy it, so we decided to manually do it ourselves. Basically, it said if we used a lawnmower to destroy the crop, we could receive an extra $600 an acre. Something about the low carbon footprint or something. So, that's what we're doing. Now, they really didn't tell us how many acres to destroy. They just said, get after it and we'll be watching you from satellite. We'll give you a call when you've destroyed enough. So, I better get back after it. So, he's mowing down... It doesn't make sense. He's mowing down his soybeans. And I wait, wait, wait. He said because it's to help reduce carbon offset? Well, that's why they're doing it. I I looked But yet, plants absorb carbon. I know this, and you know that, but... um, So I looked online. Buying it. This is from CNBC. Biden's climate change strategy looks to pay farmers to curb carbon footprint. Once again, this is CNBC. This isn't, you know, Fox News or, you know, World Report. Um, President Joe Biden has called for the U.S. farmers to lead the way in offsetting greenhouse gas emissions to battle climate change. The goal, a goal, fourth generation cattle rancher, Lauren Panicia, sets out to achieve over a decade ago. So basically, they're being asked to minimize the amount of cattle and plus um, not only being asked to destroy certain crops, but not to regrow to once again offset carbon footprint. Um, It cuts down on the vicious diesel tractors being used to manage the fields, to spread all the stuff, use of water, yada, yada, yada. I've got a brilliant, brilliant idea. We need to reduce greenhouse gases we've got to get this out of control train that is global warming slash climate change slash whatever we want to call it today in control Mm -hmm. let's destroy our food uh there's another farmer i watched a video it it doesn't really translate i think i think i have it here um you know reduce the size of the population thus further reducing our carbon Mm -hmm. impact uh, there's mm. another guy. I think I got his video here. He Ten actually he actually showed his book and the letter he got with the satellite images of his farms and all that. I think I have it here. Do, 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 do. No, that's public domain. No, actually. Mm-hmm. I'm trying. I already did that one. Sorry. I have. A, I, I think I had on one of my other books here. Da, 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 da. But anyhow, he was showing the satellite imagery they showed. They outlined which crop fields need to be taken out and basically sent him. He was showing this big old book they sent him with procedures on how to do it. Back to CNBC real quick. Expert estimates that farmers across the world can sequester a large enough portion of carbon through regenerative agriculture practices to avert the worst impacts of climate change. Research suggests removing carbon already in the atmosphere and replenishing soils worldwide could result in a 10% carbon down. I'm sorry, drawdown. The United Nations has warned the efforts to curb global emissions will fail. Um, so far short without drastic changes in the global land use and agriculture. 
How about nuclear power? Yeah. Wouldn't that modern, modern, safe nuclear power? I don't know if you knew this, but with old tech, a spent fuel rod is only spent by 5%, thus leaving 95% of it still active. But now they've got it where they can, with these new plants, that they can reduce and continue to burn down all the spent fuel rods we got stored up throughout mm-hmm. the world and actually be safer. Yes, nuclear is a dangerous word. Fusion is the way to go. We're not there yet, so we got to continue to use fission. And I think we're at a point now where we have to put it on the table. And yes, it goes against the narrative, but at the end of the day, that's going to be the only real change. Now, since we're kind of on the subject, I guess I really need to play the intro for the TikTok lesson of the week. We actually got two lessons this week on the TikTok lesson of the week. So, And now for the What's in Your Head podcast TikTok lesson of the week. Do you hear about the protests going on in France? Oh, yes. Yeah, so the anti, the because of the forced vaccinations. Well, not only the forced vaccinations, but the threat <laughs> of services. Not uh, no. No, I'm not even going to say services. The threat of daily life needs and necessities that are going to be revoked from the French people if they do not participate. And as Gordon pointed out, I'll play the TikTok, but then I'll play the authenticated story that I pulled off the internet. Whoops, hold on. I got to turn the volume up on that one. So uh, French President Emmanuel Macron announced uh, a few days ago that uh, in France, French people won't be able to go and buy food from the grocery stores unless they are vaccinated. And uh, that obviously sparked, obviously, sparked a lot of protests around the country, friends, and definitely makes sense. I do agree. Uh, as, I mean, it's completely ridiculous. Whatever your stance on vaccination is, whether you agree with it, whether you want to get it or not, it uh, should be a choice. That's why we have freedoms. So say, uh, make sure Americans over here. Oh, it's closed. It's, oh, wow. All right. Make sure to pay attention to uh, what's going on here. Uh, what's going on in France because uh, I keep telling this to people, you know, socialism it tends to turn into dictatorship pretty quick totalitarianism France reports rush for vaccinations after Macron tightens COVID rules more than 20,000 French people per minute booked vaccination appointments in the hours after Emmanuel Marcon announced that cafes, restaurants, shopping malls, and trains would be out of bounds for the unvaccinated customers next month. Quote, So you're going to... Hold on, quote, we've broken basic all... Basic necessities off the table. Mm-hmm. Not, we're not going to allow you to fly. Not, we're not going to allow you to go to different cities. Uh, well, you can't go to cafes... You can't go to fucking restaurants, shopping malls, and get on our mass transit system, which they heavily rely on over there, if you don't get vaccinated. Quote, we've broken all records since the start of the vaccination campaign, and it continued during the night and into this morning. Um, France's main medical appointment website said on Thursday, a total of 926,000 people, most under the age of 35, have booked jabs since the French president's Monday evening addresses um, the health minister, Oliver Vieira, confirmed that almost a million appointments had been booked, which means that thousands of lives have been saved. Can you imagine? God forbid. 
please let us not be this insane that this happens here. How many people would show up just armed saying, look, I'm coming in and getting my fucking food. I'll pay for it, but you're not stopping me. That's fucking nuts, dude. Could you that imagine? Would, that would spark some serious shit. Oh, here. yeah. I mean, oh, you, can't, you can't go to the grocery stores or restaurants if you're not vaccinated? That's how you so start a fucking... I'm not vaccinated, so now you're saying that I can't have life-sustaining basic needs met? Yeah. Fuck you. No. That's insanity. And that's happening more and more places. That's why Australia, uh, not to that level, but due to the vaccination now mandates, that's why they're having uh, protests in Sydney, Australia. There's videos, footage of just thousands of people walking down the roads with picket signs. They're not burning and destroying shit like they do here, but thousands of people marching in Sydney, Australia, France. We know what's been going on in Canada. It's fucking, things are getting crazy with this shit. Well, yeah, that's just it. So as a guy who just got over it, Mm -hmm. my wife had it, as much as it sucked, as much as I know there's some people who have a lot worse time with it, I don't feel it's worth shutting the world down over and the shit we've gone through. Now, if this was like the Black Plague, we would be singing a different effing tune because that was almost 50% of people. Yeah. Wiped out. You got it. You're done. Okay. Well, it, Back when smallpox was a thing, you got it. You're done. It's not like we're driving by hospitals and there's just mounds of body bags sitting out front. And funeral pyres. Everywhere. I remember at the height of this thing, uh, the hospital, Cape Coral Hospital down the street. Actually, they're, saying, they're saying Florida's at its height right now. Well, during when when Florida was still locked down and, and fucking Cuomo is on TV every day screaming he needs ventilators and he doesn't have beds and Trump's in the hospital ship that he never fucking used and all the ventilators. When all that shit was at the height, Cape Coral Hospital set up a tent out in their parking lot thinking that things were going to get to that level, and it, and it never did, thank God. But the fact that here we are, what, a year and some months into this, and now you have places like France saying, well, if you don't get vaccinated, you can't buy groceries or have access to daily needs. Once again, we're not saying you can't go to the movie theater or jump out. You can't go to fucking cafes or restaurants. That would be like if this happened way back when we were still an agrarian society. Them saying, until you get vaccinated, you're not allowed to go and pick your own food out of the field. You're not allowed to go hunting. You're not allowed to do anything. Yep. So you just die. Is that what you're saying? I'm just going to die. Yep. So you're willing to risk the lives of your constituents just to save the lives of your constituents. You're willing to risk the lives and the livelihood and people making money and surviving and not being on the system just to save the lives. It's a pretty small number. That's the problem. The number is still pretty small. And uh, I don't know. It's, just, it's such a tired subject, mm-hmm. but it, it, it's one that continues. Well, and that's I think that's the crazy part is the fact that we've been at this for so long. The treatments have come so far. Um, you know, the death rates are down. Hospital rate, you know, infection rates may be up, but hospital rates, you know, death rates are down. Once again, we're not driving by hospitals and seeing stacks of body bags or, you know, ambulances driving down the street with, heading to the morgue. The fact that you're going to start trying to take away people's access to daily requirements. According to the New York Times, three hours ago, Lee County has had a total of 70,000 or 76,204 cases with 100 or 1,009 deaths. Of what age were the deaths? It's just a blanket statement. That's all. Yeah. But anyhow, are you ready for the news? 
I am kind of feel like this whole episode's been the news, but here we go. Joining us now from the Digital 410 West News Desk in Las Vegas, Nevada, Gordon Abernathy. <gasps> Gordon, thank you for hanging out with us tonight. Real quick, before we get into the news, I want to remind everybody, invite you all to come join us on August 2nd. Gordon is going to have a guest on, um, a friend of his from high school. But not only that, he is a YouTuber who's starting up his own YouTube channel. Or he started a year ago, but now he's 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 pinpointed on a particular theme. And it's an interesting theme. For those of you guys who know anything about me, you know that I'm really into 1950s, the 60s Volkswagen Beetles, even though I don't have one. Well, this guy has the same passion for late model Chevettes. And so he's rebuilding a Chevette. He's trying to get the Chevette community worldwide together. So everybody who enjoys 80s model Chevettes, probably even said, when did the Chevette come out? 70s, late 70s. Late also. 70s up to the 80s. If, you got, if you're old school, you know, if you're gearheads and you have a hankering for Chevettes or you just like talking motor pulling and all that, it's so funny. I'm a car guy who doesn't know too much about cars. Carrie always yells at me, why do you watch Velocity Channel all the time? You don't know shit all about cars. But if I'm not watching YouTube, I'm probably on Velocity Channel. So he's going to be on next Monday. So um, we'll actually have a good 30 to 40 minutes of non-political talk and just strictly talking cars and Chevette. So please come and hang out for us for that. And now here's Gordon with the news. So we, um, we were talking about cigarettes earlier. Well, mm-hmm. the CEO of Philip Morris says uh, he sees an end to cigarettes in Britain within 10 years. How long so for the, here? So uh, that's a good question. But uh, the chief executive officer of the company that makes Marlboro cigarettes was quoted by Britain's Mail on Sunday saying that tobacco company foresaw the end of its sales of traditional cigarettes in Britain within 10 years. He is quote, I want to allow this company to leave smoking behind. This is uh, Jack Alzak, the CEO of uh, Philip Morris International. He was also quoted saying, I think the UK, 10 years from now, maximum you can completely solve this problem of smoking. Asked that that meant Philip Morris would stop selling traditional cigarettes in the UK within that time, he is quoting as saying, absolutely. So he said that the, mar- parent, the company's Marlboro brand will disappear from Britain. I bet you they'll still be at the U.S. basis. For years, Phillips Morris said that its future will not include Marlboro cigarettes as it shifts to electronic devices. And as we know, that's vaping has got its own bad marks on it. Well, and plus Philip Morris, they own so many other companies, too. I think they own Kraft, don't they? I'm not sure, but uh, if uh, weed gets legalized nationwide, I'm sure they're already on that train. I'm sure they already own property. (laughs) <laughs> the company has been vocal in lying out its goal of replacing cigarettes with alternatives such as its IQOS heated tobacco system that heats tobacco without burning it. The goal of Philip Morris said is to become a majority smoke-free company, so lots of dip I'm sure still, mm-hmm. in the terms of net revenue by the end of 2025. Maybe they'll get in the cigar market because after all, cigars are po- uh, protected because most politicians enjoy the stogie. I just want to give a shout out because we never do this. Uh, shout out to Joey V47 on YouTube and there's a few other people in here. I just don't see your names because Joey's the only one commenting in the chat. But what's up, Joey, and the rest of you hanging out on YouTube <coughs> and those of you watching us on Twitch and Facebook as well. And as always, this episode of the What's in Your Head podcast is brought to you by our friends at At Computers. So if you need any computer repair, you live in Southwest Florida, give them a call at 239-283-1120 or hit them up on Facebook. And even if you don't live in Southwest Florida and you need some uh, internet 
well, not internet, but anything not internet related, help with your computer. They can uh, help you remotely from their website. So give them a call. Once again, 239-283-1120. And please, right now is the time. Head over to whatsinyourhead.com or d-410.com. Click on that orange Patreon icon and sign up for Patreon. It's a dollar a month. Uh, there's also a three fifty a month plan and a seven dollar a month plan. With the seven dollar a month plan, I send you a free T-shirt after month two. Um, because so many of you guys are listening and downloading, my web host is getting after me about usage of not bandwidth but resources on our server, and so we need to upgrade our web hosting package. So if you guys really want to help support the show, please head over to d-410.com or what'sinyourhead.com. Sign up for Patreon or click on the merch link. Buy a T-shirt. We got the uh, Join or Die t-shirts, we got Second Amendment t-shirts, we got what's your head dot com t-shirts, we have OG5 t-shirts, Digital 410 t-shirts, and uh, there's not a whole hell of a lot of margin on those, but not only will we make a few coins off of that, but you'll also help spread the word about the podcast. And now back to you, Gordon. Kenosha, Wisconsin. There's I'm sorry, let's that... try that again. Kenosha, Utah. Oh, okay. I was going to say Kenosha, Wisconsin. That's never a good story. No, but this one is not a good story either. Uh, something you don't see very often, especially out in your way. Utah Highway Patrol says twenty vehicles. Utah Highway Patrol says twenty vehicles were involved in a pileup crash during a sandstorm. Ah, that killed at least seven people. Unfortunately, Big storm. So there, several other people were reportedly taken to hospitals in critical condition. Ground ambulances were used to transport port the the crash victims. Highway Patrol says. The crashes happen during pre- periods of high winds, and it does get windy out this way. That, that whips up the dust or sandstorm, which reduces visibility. So you can only imagine what it's like driving in a, in a uh, blizzard. It's a similar oh. type situation with uh, sand. Yeah, but the nice thing about a blizzard is it doesn't sandblast your clear coat. And yeah. once the temperatures rises, all that shit melts out of your radiator, your cab vents. Could you imagine the sand and the radiators, their their cabin filters from having the air conditioners on. The actually, it's one coat. of the reasons they say not to use like a K and N air filter that has the oil on it because mm-hmm. it'll just get too much dust in it too quick. And out the other this way, and the other problem with those is people oversaturate them mm-hmm. when they use that recharge kit. I've talked to my mechanic about this, and he doesn't recommend them either. Um, and what tends to happen is that oil gets down into your air intake and it causes your O2 sensor to foul out. And yeah, so, you're, you're, the, the vehicles these days are are engineered for what they're using. And not only that, but the even though the non-permanent air filters get pretty damn good airflow nowadays because even the replaceable ones, they have pretty good filter systems on there to allow best airflow. You like racing. You like to go out and... Run and OCR events, et cetera, et cetera. Mm-hmm. Imagine if you're a triathlete. Now, imagine if you're a triathlete in the Olympics and you're one of dozens of competitors who went into the water only to have others stuck on the dock, helplessly blocked by a boat containing cameras that got oh, in the way. Jesus. Well, this happened in the Olympics. That is the Olympic equivalent of the chick with the sign at the Tour de France causing half the fucking team. Uh, race to go down a mile and a half into it yep. yep so they needed a do-over on monday when that bizarre set of circumstances now this is nbc uh, that's responsible for this right they're freelance photographers i don't know quite yet okay it may not really state it but so it restart 50- so i don't interrupt 
Yeah, so uh, the 56 competitors were taking their marks when the starting buzzers sounded. About half were in the water before the boat moved in and tried to reverse to get out of the way. I bet somebody doesn't have a job anymore. It took about 13 seconds before the buzzer sounded again, signaling a false start. Job, this is in China. The guy's probably in the fucking gulag. This is Japan, dude. Oh, same difference. It, well, well, I have no, been watching. Like, I have they're been like watching, Asia, America. I haven't been watching um, the Olympics at all. And not much here. But uh, not everybody heard that buzzer. And some kept swimming, sending Olympic support staff to chase them down with personal watercraft. Some of the initial leaders were 200 meters out before they eventually stopped swimming and came back. You have to reschedule that. Um, There's no way you say, okay, go back, and we're going to restart it, because this guy's already spent burnt calories. They've already spent energy. They've already swam 200 meters. You can't just say, okay, we're going to do a restart in five minutes. No, you have to reschedule that for like the next day. You can't just did, – did they, did they reschedule, or did they just go back and start over? It sounds like they just went back and started over. I, I would be not. pissed if I was like, oh, yeah. if I would, one, I'd be pissed if I was one of the guys that held up, but two, I'd be pissed if I was one of the guys 200 meters in. That's like running a half mile, say, or a quarter mile. You're, you know, you're putting out a five minute mile or some shit. You're, you're already into it and oh, we got to start all over again. Oh, you'd be hot. So speaking of water, well, apparently the, apparently that's not the only camera problems they've been having at the Olympics. Um, I guess maybe NBC didn't think to get hooked up with ESPN because some of the they f- won't because they're uh, two different companies. Well, I know, but right. the problem being is they don't have experience filming skateboard competitions. I'm seeing videos from skateboarders putting on TikTok <sighs> of the skate park and the riders aren't even in frame. <laughs> like the it, well, it's funny. I was watching the men start and everybody was eating shit on their first trick. Mm-hmm. And I think it was Tony Hawk was uh, um, one of the um, announcers and. He said, look, you know, people wonder, will wonder why they're not landing their tricks right away. It's, it's very difficult. You know, so I'm like, this is going to give it a little bit of a black eye because you got these high-end athletes and they're just not nailing it. Now, I watched a women's street style and those ladies were nailing just about Let every me ask you trick. this. Whose competition went first? The men's. So you got a brand new skate park that's barely been ridden. And so... You have yeah, dust yeah, I don't particles. Know what their practice time was like. I know, but my point being, and probably Tony Hawk's point being, is not only no one's ridden this park, but no one has ridden this park, and so you don't have the concrete still fresh and slippery. If anybody's ever tried to ride a skateboard in a brand new garage, you probably busted your ass a few times. Mm-hmm. You don't have it worn in. You don't have the transition of the wheel material onto the concrete. It's kind of like for those you've gone ice skating right after the Zambonis out there. It's almost a little too slick. You got to wait until everybody goes around, puts in a few laps, and then the ice is, you know, pliable. Same thing. You got a brand new skateboarding park. They probably didn't let too many people ride it before the openings because they want to keep it pristine. They didn't want, you know, too much photos getting out, but Guess what song they had on repeat play? Um, it had to be something from Tony Hawk Pro Skater 4. Skate and Destroy. <laughs> you really? Classic. Oh, I'm sure the uh, I'm sure the um, licensing fee for old 80s skate rock oh, isn't that much cheap. money. <laughs> yeah, it's like 10 probably cents a play. cheap. Although the guy may have been like, I ain't selling out to the Olympics. Um, so moving on, we were talking about water earlier. Well, there's a little kerfuffle out there in Collier County. Oh, yeah, that's right up the way. Yeah, family member concern, confirmed that uh, one Yoshimini Carisis was located safely after he went missing on his jet ski. Hmm. Aviation crews are assist, 
had was assisting in a search for the missing Jessica and skier in Collier County. The sheriff said that the 28 year old was last seen Sunday in the area off a of Lover's Key boat ramp, and he was riding a 2014 orange and black Yamaha jet ski. You've been there before. Lover's Key is about two miles down from Fort Myers Beach. Yep. According to investigators, he phoned friends around 8 p.m. asking them to meet at Bayview Park, but never arrived. He also he so he's described as he's five foot six, hundred and eighty pounds, brown hair, brown eyes. Last seeing wearing a white button up shirt, which I don't think he really would wear on a wave runner. This Blue is Florida. People wear toboggans at water parks. I've seen it. Okay. <laughs> so, but they did find him safely. And did he get uh, lost. Evidently, he got lost. Uh, you're a fan of birds. Birds are smart, right? Well, hold on, let's go back. Slow down a little bit. People don't understand that jet skis nowadays, they're not the two-cylinder, 55-horsepower bad boys you and I rode around on 1997. They are like fucking motorcycles, and they get out there, and they floor it, and they're not watching the coastline. They're not real, especially out on the open water. It's a little different on a lake or canal. When you're out on a beach down on Lover's Key, and you're doing 65, 70 mile an hour on open water, before you know it, you're in fucking Bonita, or you're all the way up and halfway to fucking, you know, uh, Lover's, not Lover's Key, but halfway to Pine Island. And, and you run out of gas. And Well, not only that, you just don't know where the fuck you're at. And, and we talked about this because this happened to a family member. Remember Carrie was babysitting a while back, and her mm-hmm. family went out on a boat, and the person just got their boat, and... And once you got a mile offshore, there's no cell phone service. Well, if you have no cell phone service, guess what else you don't have? Google Maps. And so Navigation. they got lost, and then they got stuck on a sandbar, and then they ran out of gas. And like I said then, well, if you don't know where you're at, hey, there's shore over there. Let's drive towards shore until we get Google Maps, pull up our GPS, and figure out where the fuck we're at. Why don't you have a Garmin on your boat? I don't know, but I wasn't there. Three-hour tour. Oh, it wasn't a three-hour. It was a freaking... Eight hour, it was insane, and they had toddlers on that poor boat. But anyhow, Gosh. yeah, so it happens. People get out there; they don't have you, the right equipment. They don't watch the landmarks. Maybe they're not familiar with the landmarks, and they quickly don't know where the fuck they're at. It seems like, especially maybe like a rental company would have some sort of emergency ship to shore radio or GPS inside, underneath, or or something that like if something goes afoul, they can. They can contact them and say, hey, you know, even if it's radio that goes back to their home base. But uh, Well, when we were out on the um, Carrie and I, the day I did that news report, Carrie and I were out there a few hours later, and there's some young guys who had their brand new Wave Runner 3 and uh, tried to pull it on with a Nissan Maxima on a clay, <laughs> muddy <laughs> boat ramp, and their Nissan Maxima is floating. And like I said then, the one thing I learned about that is uh, if you ever wreck your car in a canal, don't panic. You got about 15 minutes before the thing will sink because that fucker, the windows were open and it was floating forever. And the light stayed on the whole time. Amazing. Mm-hmm. So birds, they're smart. Mm-hmm. Annoying. Cockatoos, they're smart. Mm-hmm. A few years ago, Sydney, this is out of uh, Sydney, scientists noticed a sulfur-crusted cockatoo opening his trash bin. Hmm. Not every resident would be thrilled. But ornithologist Richard Major was impressed by the ingenuity. This, uh, it's quite a feat for a bird to grasp the bin lid with its beak, pry it open, then shuffle far enough along the edge so the lid falls backwards, revealing edible trash treasure inside. Intrigued, oh, come on, I just turned my volume down. 
Oh, by the way, so if you got a new Samsung and you go to just turn the volume down, that don't work. You yeah, actually have to the, open it up and choose it. Um, I've seen a cuter version of that where there was a cockatoo on a dining room table with a pizza box, an empty one, and inside the pizza box was a kitten, and he would open the lid, and the kitten would swap at him, and then he would close the lid on him again. But a trash can lid is definitely heavier than a pizza box lid. Well, Major teamed up with uh, researchers in Germany. Why Germany? Well, why not? To study how many cockatoos learn this trick. In early 2018, they found from a survey of residents that birds in three Sydney suburbs had mastered the novel foraging technique. By the end of 2019, birds lifting these bins open in 44 suburbs. So from three suburbs to 44 suburbs in two years is a pretty rapid spread, um, said Major, who's based out of the Australian Museum. The researchers' uh, next question whether the cockatoos had each figured out how to do this on on them by themselves or alone or whether they copied the strategy from experienced birds and their research published Tuesday concluded that they basically learned from watching their peers and we could have learned from watching humans um, there's yeah. videos you see all the time there's a video at a college where this Labrador would watch people give or it could have been lying so we could have taught him but they're showing he would go out and grab leaves and take it to the counter and take those money I saw a video the other day there was a a Labrador patiently waiting in line at the drive-thru. The next car pulled up, and he walked up, went to the window, and stared in the window. So, you know, animals learn behaviors from watching other people, whether it's birds or otherwise. Yeah, absolutely. So I've got one more story. One more. Is this breaking news? Nope, nothing breaking yeah. here. I never get to Out of that Nome, summer. Alaska. Nomi. <laughs> <laughs> Well, actually, a passing helicopter rescues a man who was harassed by a bear in Alaska. <laughs> yep, that's the bear. A miner uh, who said he was harassed by a bear for seven straight nights in the tundra near Nome. Was rescued when a passing Coast Guard helicopter spotted, spotted the SOS in an internationally recognized sign for help. So, yes, we've all seen the TV shows, we've all seen the movies. Usually it's made out of coconuts or something, but mm-hmm. obviously Alaska doesn't have it. Writing SOS does actually help out. Absolutely. The helicopter crew was flying from uh, Katosbu to Kodiak July 16th when it saw the SOS sign on the top of a building. Where was that? Katsubu. Why does it have to be a tongue twister? Because <laughs> it's Alaska. Yep. It's named after uh, fish, probably. <laughs> The circle, the crew circled back over the mining camp and saw a man waving two arms in the air. Hopefully, uh, they were his own. Somebody uh, help me! Another recognized a sign of distress. Coast Guard statement said the man requested medical assistance after a helicopter landed, saying that he had been attacked by a bear a few days earlier. The man did appear to have a leg injury and bruising on his torso. <laughs> bear attacks are not nice, by the way. Uh, the the Coast Guard said, the man said the bear had returned to his camp and harassed him. So I don't know if he was calling him a pussy or what. But but uh, every night for the previous week, I'm back to harass you. Uh, according to the statement, friends uh, said the name of the man was found had reported him long overdue when he hadn't returned home to Nome. Coast Guard statement didn't specify what type of bear was involved. <laughs> Nome, which is a Bering Sea coastal community, is located about 535 miles northwest of Anchorage along Alaska's western coast. And that is the news. 
This concludes the evening news, and now back to the ACT Computer Studio in Cape Coral, Florida. Introducing the Greenmark Prepaid Visa Credit Card, the most widely used prepaid Visa credit card when it comes to scamming rubes on the internet. Thanks to the Greenmark card, I was able to settle my tax code violations with the IRS with one easy transaction of $699. No lawyers, no accountants, what a great deal. And Greenmark card made it so easy. Thanks, Greenmark card. Greenmark invests its own money to help you save up for the future by paying you an unlimited 4% cash back bonus when you make an online purchase. But keep in mind, if you're dumb enough to prepay for a car off a of Facebook marketplace before you see the car or even get the title, that shit's on you, and we offer you no protection. Wait, no protection at all? That's right. The Greenmark card is the preferred choice by desperate Middle Easterners looking to rip off naive American senior citizens. When my grandson called me in a pickle and explained that he was on a missionary trip to Africa, lost his wallet, and his wife took ill, I was able to help him out in a jiffy. I'm laughing because I'm watching the closed caption for this commercial on Facebook. No protection at all. Greenmark users who think they're internet savvy but still find themselves preloading hundreds of dollars onto a Greenmark card at 3 a.m. in a local Walmart. When I got that email from someone I didn't know, warning me that they captured me in photos looking at certain websites that may or may not have been porn, and that if I didn't pay them $500, they would share them with everyone I know in my contact list. Well, it was a godsend to know that Greenmark was there, and I was able to pay them off with no paper trail. Thanks, Greenmark. The Greenmark card. It's the number one choice by internet scammers and hackers worldwide when it comes to ripping off naive Westerners. We here at Greenmark know this, but take no action to protect you, our clients. After all, we still get our beaks wet. Whoa, whoa, whoa. What? The Greenmark card. Get it where all fine prepaid credit cards are available. Suckers. The Greenmark card is not responsible for any fraudulent or moral engagements between a second and or third party when you use to pay for any goods, services, actions, or sexual deviancies. Thank you guys so much for joining us for another episode of the What's In Your Head podcast. Like I said, next Monday, August 7th, uh, 2nd, Gordon's friend. What's the young man's name again, Gordon? Andy. Andy will be on the show. He has a YouTube channel. He's getting up off the ground. He's looking for all of the Chevette lovers worldwide to come join him on his mission to restore an old sloppy jalopy. And so we're going to talk about him and Gordon growing up together. We're going to talk about Chevettes. We're going to talk about many of other things. And uh, thank you guys so much. Please like us and uh, subscribe on uh, all the platforms out there. Make sure you give us a review if you're on iTunes. And please head over to d-410.com and you can find all the links to our YouTube, Instagram, TikToks, Facebook, etc. Thank you guys so much for your continued support. And we will talk to you all next week. This has been a Digital 410 production. (laughs) 